Welcome to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, featuring our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton. Our psalm for this Good Shepherd Sunday is Psalm 23. We often read this at funerals, and that's fitting because it reminds us that God is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. But this is also a psalm for the living. Hear these words on this side of Easter. They are a promise of peace, restoration, and goodness, and mercy throughout all the days of our lives. Hear now these words from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Of me is real. 
Good morning, beloveds. We're still celebrating Easter today because Jesus was with us for 40 days after the resurrection. And surely the resurrection needs at least 40 days of a celebration. In fact, we call it the great 50 days because it's then 10 days from Ascension to Pentecost. During this Easter season, we're reading the book of 1 John. We learned together during Lent that Jesus is the great I am, the one who is life itself. He's the good shepherd, the vine, the way, the truth, and the life. You see, he wasn't just a human being. He was life itself, come in the form of a human being, come to life. And this was true. The story from the beginning is what 1 John tells us. So the book of 1 John begins the same way that the gospel of John does, with a focus on the beginning, on the word of God, who is Jesus. And this is what John is saying. Life itself appeared before us. We saw life with our own eyes. We touched life with our own hands. We're especially going to focus on a phrase that comes up over and over in 1 John. This is how we know. I'm grateful to J.D. Walt and Seedbed for the inspiration for this sermon focus and the prayer that will come at the end. The season of Easter brings us assurance that Jesus is alive. So these words from the Apostle John are so important as he gives us assurance that he saw Jesus and Jesus is alive. Listen as we hear from 1 John 1 and on into chapter 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write these words to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our, ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Christ did. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been called to jury duty? I got called one time while we lived in Grady County. 
The judge absolutely relished the fact that I was a preacher. More than once, we had some moments of downtime in the case, and so he would call me over to the bench and ask questions like, how many animals did Moses take on the ark? Glad I didn't fall for that one. So one of the things about being on a jury and having a trial is getting all of the evidence and gathering it together and, and making a decision. We want a decision based on evidence. We want people who were there to tell us what happened, what they saw, what they heard. N.T. Wright describes John as an eyewitness standing before a very surprised jury, trying to explain the strange things he has seen. And so John begins, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. J.D. Walt says, when a human being passes through death and comes out on the other side even more alive than before, we have an indescribable situation. It's like trying to describe the Milky Way to someone who's never seen a star. It's like trying to describe the beach at sunset to someone who's never seen the ocean. There aren't words for the vastness of the night sky or the experience of the sky and the waves and the sand all meeting together in a burst of color. But still, you want to try and find words for it, and that's what we find with John. John is doing his best to describe what being with the risen Christ is like. The I am, being itself, life itself stood before us. John says, we saw life itself. We touched life itself. They tried to kill the I am. They tried to kill life itself. And Jesus came through on the other side and was even more alive than before he died. If we're honest, the miracle of the resurrection has been one of the challenges to believing in Christ through the ages. No one back when it first happened believed that dead people were suddenly alive again any more than we believe that now. The disciples didn't believe the testimony of the women who had gone to the empty tomb and came to tell them. Matthew 28 tells us many believed, but some doubted. Poor old Thomas gets a bad rap as a doubter, but they all had trouble believing until they saw Jesus for themselves. I think it's why the New Testament tells about people trying to make sense of the empty tomb in other ways. Mary Magdalene thought maybe the gardener had moved the body of Jesus. And the priests had the Roman soldiers say that the disciples had taken his body and hidden it. If you were a member of a jury, you might have some questions. You might not feel like all reasonable doubt has been removed. There were groups in John's day who thought that God never really fully became human. That what you saw on the cross was sort of an illusion of suffering and death. God never really did suffer. There were other groups that thought that, okay, Jesus died, but his resurrection was a, a spiritual resurrection, not a bodily resurrection. That one's popular today in one form or another. Either way, in that line of thinking, you're seeing God's spirit removed from the body of the human Jesus. And yet the resurrection stories show us that Jesus, in fact, did have a body. He ate fish on the beach. His disciples could touch him 
they were with him. It, it's a bodily resurrection. I don't know how you read the Gospels and get around that. Jesus died in the body. And he was raised from the dead in the body. And John is telling us the resurrection is the truth. Now, listen, I understand why we would have trouble with it. Our minds want to make rational sense of what happened to kind of explain away this mind-blowing miracle. We have used the word unprecedented a lot last year, maybe a little too much, but truly, truly, the resurrection of Jesus was unprecedented. I used to not understand the phrase about Jesus being the firstborn from the dead, but it, then it became clear to me that the people who had come back to life throughout the Bible uh, under Elijah and Elisha and the widow's son that Jesus brought back and, and Jairus' daughter, they were all to go on and die again. They had been resuscitated, brought back to life, but they had not been resurrected. They had not been brought back to life never to die again. But Jesus' death is unprecedented because he is the first fruit of the new creation. He is the firstborn from the dead. He walked all the way through death and came out on the other side never to die again. Now, as we're trying to wrap our minds around that, Sometimes I think, well, we might believe somebody hovered around death on an operating table and the doctors were able to restart their heart. You hear stories about that all the time. But the idea that somebody died and was put in a tomb for three days and then somehow came back to life never to die again, it feels like a stretch until we come to the story in faith. The thing is that this is the truth. If we believe that Jesus is the word who became flesh, it begins to make sense. The story of the gospel has an internal logic to it. N.T. Wright points out that according to 1 John, Jesus isn't just life. He's the word of life. So what's important about words are they're a way to communicate. Jesus is the way that God communicates with us and invites us into new life. God wanted to make himself known, and so he spoke the final perfect word in Jesus. He wanted to speak to us. He wanted us to know him. And so Jesus came to be the word of life. So Jesus is the resurrection. He's the word of life. He's the one through whom God speaks to us. The full revelation of God, what God wants for us, comes through Jesus. The forgiveness of sins, the new life in him, the fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of it, that comes to us through the word of life because God is speaking to us through Jesus. So if we believe that God has spoken definitively through Jesus, that Jesus is the word of life, then the resurrection begins to make sense. God's story of what he wants for the world, the forgiveness of sins, new life, fellowship, that wouldn't make any sense if it just ended with the death of Jesus. 
Yes, our sins would have been atoned for, but how would we know it? How would we know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness? How would we know that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world? How would we know that if not for the resurrection? See, God wants us to know. He wants us to know that we can be forgiven, that we can be reconciled to him. And he speaks to us through the resurrection to let us know that our sins are forgiven and he has a whole new life for us. You see, we know that we can have fellowship with God because God raised Jesus back from the grave. He walked all the way through death into a new eternal life. And then, just to make sure that we would know, Jesus spent 40 days of risen life talking to people, eating with them, enjoying fellowship directly with all of these disciples. We're still celebrating Easter on the church calendar because Jesus stayed on earth for 40 more days after the resurrection. And I think those 40 days are so important. He came to Mary Magdalene and the disciples in the upper room, two people on the road to Emmaus, Thomas, and Paul tells us another 500 or so people, all who saw him, who touched him, and who came to believe. I know that Easter would still be Easter without the 40 days. Christ would still be risen indeed. Death would still be defeated. But I don't know if we would know it. The number of eyewitnesses would be so small. They might have come to wonder themselves if it could be real. I think Jesus stayed for 40 days so that we could know that he was raised from death once and for all. A bodily resurrection that tells us what God had in mind for the whole world that our sins would be erased and that we would be raised into a new life, never to die again. The phrase is repeated throughout the book of 1 John. This is how we know. You see, John wants us to know, to rest in the assurance that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is true. I believe that's why he stayed 40 days. And that's why John wrote it down. So we could know with assurance that Jesus is risen. John said writing it down would make their joy complete. God has spoken the word of life in Jesus, and now God is speaking through the words of Jesus' friends whose words we've collected in the Bible. We celebrate our 40 days of Easter with assurance that we can know Christ is risen through the testimony of the 40 days, the testimony of John and the other eyewitnesses. Ah, but now there's another testimony. N.T. Wright says that this seems to be the point of the letter. The new life in Christ is open not just to the people who saw the person of Jesus, who touched his hands and feet. This life is open to others who listen to the testimony. So now a third kind of testimony emerges. The testimony of the lives of the believers. First John writes, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. 
your life becomes a testimony to the resurrection because your life starts to look more and more like Jesus. It becomes clear that Jesus is alive because he's alive in you. The word of life has become real in your own life. A preacher's kid told me a story about her dad serving on a jury. It turned out that the person in question was a member of the church, and so the judge said, I know you're part of the jury, but we need you as a witness. We need you to testify about what you've seen and heard. Friends, we're invited not just to sit on the jury and watch as other people talk about what they know. You are invited in to become a part of the life of Jesus itself. You are invited to be in Christ. So here's another story. I was part of mock trial in high school. Students are given a case complete with witness stories and some hard evidence, and student lawyers present the case before a group of judges. So the first year I was involved in mock trial, I joined at the last minute because they needed someone to be a timekeeper. I enjoyed the experience, but I was definitely on the outside watching. But the next year, I signed up to play a witness, but I found myself as a lawyer in mock trial. I was right in the thick of it. You can't be more in the middle of mock trial than being a lawyer. God wants you to be right in the thick of it. First John is like a summons to join in, not the jury, but to life in Christ. That's what God, through the words of First John, is inviting you to be part of. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. A lot of the rest of the letter is going to be filling that idea out. We know that we are in Christ, the risen Christ, because we live as Jesus did. We turn to the light. We give up sinning. We fellowship with the Father. The fourth century church father Athanasius put it this way. He became what we are so we could become what he is. Listen to that again. He became what we are, so we could become what he is. This is how we know. God spoke definitively through Jesus. This is how we know. We hear the testimony from John. This is how we know. We become what he is. We see it happening in our own lives, and that becomes a testimony to the risen Christ. If you think the jury is still out, let me tell you it's time. Open your invitation. Come into the new life. Join the fellowship. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, thank you for eyewitnesses to the miracle of your son. Thank you for inspiring them to write it down. And thank you for the millions of disciples who have given themselves and at time their very lives to get this revelation to us. Come Holy Spirit and usher us into the fellowship of the Father and the Son revealed to us through John's letter of the indescribable mystery of the gospel. In the mighty name of the risen Christ, we pray. 
Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church with Rebecca Duke Barton. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website. It's jessupfumc.org. That's J-E-S-U-P-F-U-M-C dot org.